Hi, and welcome to a new episode of the Code and Conquer podcast. Today we're talking to Philip Keller, a Swiss software engineer and indie hacker. We're talking about his success with his app vg.ch, which is an apartment listing website for people looking for affordable shared flats in Switzerland. We'll discuss his journey in the competitive real estate market, his strategies for SEO optimization, and his experience with the built-in public community. I'm very excited about this episode, as Phil is a very outspoken member of the built-in public community. And I hope you'll enjoy it. Let's jump right in. And we're off for the fifth episode of Code and Conquer, the Indie Hacker podcast. I'm your host, Tobias Aweiler, and today I have with me Philip Keller from Switzerland and with his products VG and Build in Public Community. Hi, Philip, and tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, what are you doing and why are you here? Hey, Tobias, very glad to be on the show. It's the first podcast I'm on. I'm, I'm really on it. Oh, really? Part of it. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I'm um, I'm a builder. I'm a solo builder. I'm building VG and um, one or two other th side things, but ma mainly a shared flat um, search site for Switzerland. Mm -hmm. And uh, what career did you go into before you started indie hacking? Like uh, for some context, Philip is not the youngest indie hacker but also probably not the oldest one uh, so you had some kind of career before you started going into indie hacking uh, tell us a little bit about that i'm probably the oldest guest <laughs> in this podcast yeah? uh, you are I'm, till um, now <laughs> i'm 45 so older than the average but there are also statistics on the, the likelihood of of, of likelihood of success <laughs> uh, and it's actually good I, i think 45 is the average um successful age for a builder so i'm <laughs> in good company i would say yeah perfect um i um i learned programming when i was young i would say about 12 or 14 i started programming basic on dos and um then started computer science because I was totally hooked. I just love creating something um, out of nothing. It's so great. Um, mm -hmm. You can just think of something and then you can code it and you can code basically everything or nearly everything and you can just bring it to life. And that always fascinated me. Um, yes, that's how I started. And how did you get into indie hacking specifically? How did you find the bubble? Um, it was um, much later. I think um, last year I was um, just coming back from hospital. I was laying still in bed at home and I thought, um, let me connect with other builders. And I was just Googling around and found indie hacker first the website and then um, Twitter and I tried both and then was hooked with Twitter and not with Indie Hacker so I stayed with Twitter. <laughs> and did you also listen to uh, Cortland Allen's Indie Hacker podcast at that point or no. did you not vibe with that? I don't even know this one. I think it's the and the Indie Hacker's website is also linked to that podcast that's why I'm oh, asking. Really? Yeah. So, but 
what what really got me into indie hacking just creating my first project was the podcast how i built this mm-hmm. and that's yeah. how i and, and i'm mentioning because that I, I know that you're a fan of this podcast too yes um and i was listening to that i think spring last year or even a bit earlier and i got hooked so much there these are normal people they have normal problems and just they try something out crazy things and some things work and some don't and i thought okay let me do this as well <laughs> it sounds so so much fun and then you got uh, to actually creating your first project which which was uh, vge which you're still working on and uh, what is vge exactly and how did you get the idea of creating it so vge is a shared flat search site um not sure how many of the listeners are into chat flats, but if, especially in, in Switzerland, if you're a student, it's quite common to live in the shared flats first because you don't have much money. So you share the flat with others. You basically just get one room and the others get a room as well and you share the flat. So it's instead of renting the whole apartment, which is in Switzerland, <laughs> almost impossible to pay. Um, so you just pay for a room, let's say it's 600 euros a month instead of 2,000, yeah, maybe one mm. and a half thousand. Um, yes, this, that's it. And um, I was, at one day I was just looking what chat flat searches are there in Switzerland. And there was just this one very old site with the design of 20 years ago and this was the biggest one and i thought come on this cannot be it <laughs> it has to be this something is, better <laughs> this is the, i mean i was judging it by the design also the search capabilities were very limited you couldn't even search by the city it was only by region and then it was ay, ay, ay. it's just i thought how can this be the biggest in switzerland and then i searched around a bit more and I thought, okay, there's a potential to um, become the biggest one in Switzerland. The, there are a few players. Let's say there are five players in Switzerland which are which which are good enough to be in, in the top. Yeah, in the top. And there are some smaller ones you can forget. Yeah, not not worth to mention. And I thought, I think I have a fair chance of getting to the top three or even the top one. Let me try this out. That's how I start. <laughs> and what's the tech stack that you're using for building the site? It's um, mainly, it's only Python in the backend. Oh, wow. And in the front end, I started with Python as well. And now I'm switching over to Next.js. Mm-hmm. And um, so, one thing I need to mention is the a big part of the project is crawling because if I would have started with a search site which has zero rooms on it, I could neither attract searchers because there's nothing, nor the people who list their rooms because there are no searches. So it's 
it was a problem I, I needed to fix from the start. Um, otherwise, it need to have this flywheel effect somehow to, to just to, mm. to get into more users and also more listings. And I started to crawl because that was the way to have a big site. And I was just with creating five crawlers, I was already able to be the biggest. And that was my headline, the biggest um, room search in Switzerland. And I was already proud of that. And I was showing it to people because, and then I was also happy to do marketing around it because it was really the best. Even, <laughs> yeah. Unbiased, it's the best. It has the best search capabilities, the most listings. It's just the best one around. So I'm gathering that it's an also like you. You might transition to some some place where you also take listings yourself. But right now it's mostly an aggregator. So you use the crawlers to get every listing from every site that is relevant in Switzerland and put them all on your site. Correct. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. And. Um, I also saw that not only do you have very, very good uh, search filters and stuff, and it's, it, it works really well, you also have a pretty good design. Did you do that yourself, or did you have help with that? Um, thank you for that. <laughs> I consider it not so good. Um, so for the beginning, I took a template which was already around, and... Um, Basically, it was just HTML and CSS, and I took it as a start. And then it was like PHP in the old days. You just like put your code into the HTML. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> uh, it, it sounded like a good idea at the, at the beginning, and now in hindsight, um, that was not so great. So I'm now switching to um, Tailwind UI. Mm -hmm. I bought their template system for 300 bucks. And it was so well invested money. It's so great. I just um, today I needed breadcrumbs, and I could just like copy paste breadcrumbs, and I, there, there it is. I think I think that Tailwind is a very very good solution for people that don't have too much experience with you designing their own stuff, as you can have like all the components that you will ever need in a very, very tight design system that just works. I know we talk about this, like there were like thousand design component libraries that just work. Most of them don't. Uh, I hate Material UI, for example, uh, especially in the React space. But for Tailwind, I think it's, at least for me, the exact correct amount of freedom slash like versus customizability let's say that, uh, I think it's a very good choice for projects like this if you're not a designer. It's the best. I mean, I have no comparison. I cannot do any comparison. I also asked on Twitter what are others using, and I I looked at those systems. And, but I have no reason to switch to any other. <laughs> it's the first I use, and I just see how fast I am. Yeah. Um, I did one tweet a few months ago where I recreated my start page. And I think within four hours, I had a start page which looked good already. Of course, then came the translations and everything. And yeah, that, sure. of course, took a lot of time. But just creating a start page and Tailwind is so easy. And then also looks good. And then has a good light score. 
um, score, that lighthouse score it's called. Yeah. And and it's mobile friendly and everything is there. It's just from the start. Yeah. I think it's all it also encourages you to think about the code that you're writing. I'm not sure in next you're also writing React code now, I'm guessing. Yes. Um my experience has been that Tailwind with their class names kind of forces you to write good code. Because if you start copying the same class names for more than one element, I guess, uh, you already know that you should make that a component instead and stuff like that. Um, I think it's very, very great for developing fast. I'm also using the same tech stack for most of my projects, Next and Tailwind, uh, because it's just unbeatable in, in speed. And also, I think it's not that complicated to learn. Yeah, I yeah. I agree. I, um, I was um, trying you Mm-hmm. with Tailwind and then it exactly forced me into making components for my code that's what Tailwind does because yeah. you cannot do classes or you can but it's just like cumbersome it's not how you should do it you just like write the styles like in the old days right where yeah, you exactly. did style into the HTML it, it does this and then with you I thought making components is just more overhead and I thought that mm-hmm. cannot be it and I, I'm not sure what it exactly was when I then looked into React and I thought that's it's create a function and then return the HTML I mean if there's nothing easier than that yeah <laughs> yeah it works for me as well yeah <laughs> uh getting back to VG a bit um how were the first months after you started the project like you launched it at some point a point obviously um what was the the reaction, the response like in the first few months? So let's go a bit into um, where I work because this <laughs> is important. I can, I think we cannot um, yeah. leave this out for now. I'm working in a real estate company. Basically, the there are two big real estate search sites in Switzerland. It's um, HomeGate and Imoscout. And they belong to the same company. It um, uh, we just had a merger, and this is n- now belonging to one company. And I'm a product manager there. And while I was doing um, research, I found out exactly what they said before. There is no uh, um, shared flat site in Switzerland, which is really great. Um, and then I built one over the weekend. So as I said, I just took this template, this HTML template, and wrote the crawler and um, and showed it at my work and said, look, it would be already the biggest. How about this? And then I got big applause. Everyone liked it. Wow, that's so crazy in the weekend. You're the best. Blah, blah. <laughs> and felt great, of course. And then I thought, let's give it some weeks, and I, I will get um, a message from mess from a from a manager telling me yeah let's start this it's really great and let's start going to this market and nothing happened <laughs> yeah because we just were in the merchant phase there was no time for this um so i got the okay from my employer to start working on this because i i saw the reactions at work were great and i thought i have a thing there and then just doing it for a weekend and then not following up it's just yeah it, <laughs> i couldn't 
leave it alone. I saw this is an opportunity I need to go into. And I got a lot, a, enough backing from my um, employer to start it as a project. Hi, this is Tobias from Editing. Um, and this part of the conversation, we went into some topics that Philip wasn't too sure about sharing with us. And we cut them to be aware of his privacy and uh, of stuff that he doesn't want to share with the entire world. So when we come back, we're talking about how the site performs now and how he starts to get into the business of marketing it and SEO and stuff. And that's where we get into the discussion again. Thank you. What's the situation with VG now? Are you already number one? I'm not yet. <laughs> <laughs> I would say I'm number 10, number eight. <laughs> so a, a lot of, and this was interesting. I was launching VG in August, put it online, and then looked my stats, and I just got zero visitors. <laughs> and yeah. this is so brutal. Mm -hmm. You hear all the memes about build it and they come, and you know it's not true. But when you put it out a product, my reaction is, it's different for me. I just mm -hmm. built the best site ever. They will come. But they <laughs> just didn't. They didn't, yeah. And this, is, this was so frustrating to see, okay, now the product is out, but now the real work starts. <laughs> it was just the product. And of course, need to do some marketing. And you've also uh, then taken out that time to do marketing and also SEO. You've been optimizing the site for a few months now, which can be followed on your Twitter account. And... Um, What did you actually do for the SEO then to get people coming then when they didn't come just naturally from out of nowhere? I think that's the first thing I did after I launched it was looking to SEO. First, I did the um, AHREFs. I'm not sure how you pronounce this. Mm -hmm. AHREFs, they have a great beginners course on SEO. And I had zero knowledge. Even as product manager at my work, I never came across SEO. I didn't know what it is. I just knew there's some things you need to do correct on your site to have a title and description. <laughs> I didn't know <laughs> much it, more yeah. than this. <laughs> um, and then what struck me about this um, beginner's course was the fact that I need backlinks. And I mean, SEO is a black box. Nobody really knows how Google ranks it exactly, but there's there's strong evidence that backlinks is one of the most important um, factor. So after I fixed all my errors on my site, which by the way, Ahrefs also has a great site audit You can just crawl your site and they tell you all the things you did wrong. And I fixed every one of them. <laughs> and I think I even didn't have titles. I don't know. I had basically everything wrong at the beginning. And then I uh, fixed things as good as I could. And then I had all the green ticks. And then I tried to get backlinks. And this was a super tedious work because I needed to write to a lot of site owners 
So I got um, from there some backlink tools. You can look up your competitors, um, what they have, as, from which site they have backlinks, which is what I did. I went to my number one competitor, saw who, where they are linked, and then started to write to the site owners of them. I started with number 100 because I, I had a basically a list of 1 to 100. And I started mm. with, and it's ranked by how much page rank it will give you, how much like, SEO choose. Like what the impact is then, yeah. It will give you. And I thought, let me warm up with starting <laughs> with number 100 and go back to number one because if I, um, I, I guess once I'm back to number one, I have the perfect message and I will win number one. Of course, yeah, right? I think a good tactic, yeah. Yeah, and um, because I had never done this, that's True, yeah. also the nice things about being solopreneur. You just do things you've never done before. You just try it out <laughs> and see if it works. And I just tried to find out the email addresses of the site owners and I reached out to them saying, look, I'm building this on the side. I wanted to be a bit the charming person, they look, I'm not a company, I'm just a single person trying to do some fun stuff on the internet. Um, and then also explained why it's the best site, because I'm still, um, I'm sure that it's, it's, a, it's a great site to link to. So I'm not, I didn't feel like lying or selling something. I, mm -hmm. I, I don't, I'm not overselling it. I felt the value of it. And basically just ask them to link to it because I thought it gives value to the users who come to their site. And these sites usually were universities, um, which had a, a page with links to where you could live. So when the student comes to the university from abroad, they have some links they can click to actually find rooms. And um, I think um, about a fourth or so, or or twenty percent of them, then added the link, and I had about ten backlinks out of thirty emails I sent. But I spent hours because yeah. I wrote every email very custom. I wanted to talk about their side, I, why I think it's a great side. Of course, I tried to be also a bit nice. Sure, yeah. Yeah. And um, also, that might help SEO being linked to more from more sites, but also you got actual natural traffic from those listings, then I'm guessing. Very little. There okay. is two out of the 10 bring actually traffic. The rest is just for the page rank. Okay, then I'm actually yeah. surprised. Yeah. I, I would have thought that more university clicks or links would come in from actual students looking at your site, I guess. Yeah, I'm not sure how much valuable these link sites are. It feels like a bit from the 90s, right? Mm. That's what you did before. I mean, who has link sites nowadays? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm guessing I also am stuck in the 90s and I thought that that might help more than it did. <laughs> <laughs> One interesting fact about these, um, I wrote these emails and often didn't hear back in weeks. And then about two weeks later, I got some responses and they said, look, we um, discussed in a meeting, adding your link. 
And I was surprised. Okay. What, what are you doing? Why are you discussing? Because nobody felt like entitled to add the link. Yeah. Let us discuss this. It's typical Swiss bureaucracy, right? So you, yeah, it's let's be fair. Uh, let's discuss it in the meeting. And they even said yes to it. So I felt very proud. Okay, they they put that on the agenda, on the meeting, discussed it, and then they <laughs> said yes, and I got the link. And I felt, wow, that, that, this is so important to them. I, I have to say, even being a German myself, that sounds very bureaucratic, actually. <laughs> But if if like like you can just take that as a compliment i guess if five or six or eight people i'm not sure how many people were in that meeting uh, said okay let's do this and add that link that might be a good thing for you and your product great yeah, i felt super proud <laughs> but and also from a lot of them i didn't hear back um especially when you write to bigger sites nobody really knows who is responsible for mm. it it Lancy the info at inbox um, where they have general inquiries basically which are super different right so you usually write to there um, hello I want to be a student at, at your university can mm -hmm. you help me and then the, in comes this other message can you add a link to my site and what is this let me just send it to spam yeah and then you probably would have had more issues and more work uh, and hours of hours of work to find the right email for that specific site right um and that might not be feasible if the 10 sites that now have backlinks to you eight of them don't contribute at all so um yeah maybe at some point you have to cut that right yeah and another important fact is that the time difference between getting the backlinks until then getting the page rank on Google was insane. I added the backlinks in September and then didn't see anything until January. And I was going mad <laughs> because if you are a new page on Google, maybe it's for everyone or it was just for me. The Googlebot didn't even care much. I put in a sitemap and then there was the initial crawl. And then the crawler came once a day to crawl for three or four sites. And I had thousands because mm. it's a search site. I have lots of them. There's not just three or four. And I thought, what's wrong? Am I punished for something I didn't do right? What's <laughs> the case? I even got some SEO experts in and they But the SEO expert was actually um, used to actually optimize SEO for bigger sites, though they never created a site from the ground up. Mm. They, they said, something is wrong. Do this and this. And then they gave me 10 tips of SEO, which I all implemented. And I think they were great, but they didn't change, move the needle. It was still <laughs> there. And then I stopped working on Liga in October, as I said, because there was these legal problems. And uh, I thought, okay, let's just leave it on the side. And in January, I did nothing for months working on it. I saw traffic going up, 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 up. And it's now going up since January. Yeah, now we have May. <laughs> now 50% of my traffic is from Google. Mm -hmm. the, most of the rest is actually people who found me initially on Google. So, yeah. <laughs> so how many users do you have or how many views do you have a month or... 
every week on your site right now? Um, what I look at is the daily number. Mm -hmm. I'm a very daily guy, and I'm <laughs> looking way too much on my analytics. <laughs> and I'm yeah, yeah, me too. Not, good, <laughs> not good on that. Um, on the best days, I have over 300 sessions a day. That's a lot, yeah. Um, yeah, it's great. Um, what I did as well is that people need to register fairly, fairly early on in in the when they come to the site, they do a few searches, and then after some time, there's a login form. I did that to get in contact with the users, even though there was zero value for this login form. Mm. I stored nothing on the account. It's just there to harvest email addresses, and I wanted to reach out to these people, which I did um, from the beginning. I mm -hmm. At the beginning, I just wrote manual emails like, hello, you're one of the first users. It would be great to know what's your use case. And then I got in contact with some. Um, there was one person in Ireland. Um, I We agreed to do a call. And then it was the greatest thing. I got a call with my user and I asked him, <laughs> what's your situation? Okay, I'm in Ireland. I want to move to Switzerland. Oh, by the way, we have a good public transport system. And then he said, okay, this I already know. Okay, great. Uh, where do you want to live? And then I explained him about Switzerland. And it was of great value to him because I helped him and of great value to me because I had a persona in my head and I started to optimize for this persona. Um, at the end of the call, I asked him, what do you think is the greatest feature on my side? And I had like these 10 things in my head, all the things I did great. Mm. And he said, the best thing is that when you are on a listing, there's a link to Google Maps. Yeah. And it was this great <laughs> thing. Okay, he just wants to see the surroundings. Yeah. And instead of just having having the little map on my, my detail page, he wanted to have a link to Google Maps so he can favorite them. I don't know what he did. <laughs> it was this little thing. I thought, I did I put five minutes into that. The others, I put hours. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, but it's, but it's great to have those real user feedbacks and to see if your optimization in the feature department is actually the right call, right? Um, very, very interesting stuff to actually talk to the users. Um, you can't get better feedback than from just asking them directly. Yes. That's also what I think. That's why I have these email, uh, the, the sign-up forms, even though I know it's um, pushing down the traffic, because many people, then when they see a sign-up form, they would just leave the site yeah. and would not come back. But I was optimizing for learning early on instead of optimizing for traffic early. And also regarding learning, you have another thing that you did on your website, um, which you talked about on Twitter a lot. You did a lot of, sm or at least a few smoke tests um, with new features on your website. You did that, I think, for creating a listing, like the feature creating a listing, and also for a premium subscription where I would get notified before the other users if a new listing showed up. How did you get the idea and how did that work out? So from the beginning, I thought, how would I monetize this site? I didn't have a money pressure per se because I have my nine to five job and it's just a fun weekend project. So I don't really need to monetize it. But I thought to be a real indie hacker, there needs to be some revenue. And there's also great learnings with 
which come from revenue. So I wanted to have the learnings more than the money. And then I had this idea of um, a subscription, a monthly subscription, like every SaaS <laughs> Twitter actually tells about monthly yeah. subscription. That's the best thing. So, so okay, let's also try this. Um, and I thought the extra feature you would have is exactly what you said. You would get an email every time a room is published, which matches your criteria. And I knew that creating this feature would cost me weeks of work. And I would not know if people would either use it or even pay for it. Mm. So I added a fake button, a button who opens a pop-up dialogue. Um, and then the dialogue said, this is the page feature. Um, and they explained all the benefits. And then it had a button saying, um, it's 10 francs a month. Book it for 10 francs a month. And then I thought, okay, that's it. It will be pushed a lot, this button, because I was so sure about my business idea. And then I launched it and uh, left it running for some weeks to have enough data on it and found out that only 0.3% of all the users would use it. And it's just too few to even build the feature. So I decided to not build the feature and um, think about some other monetization idea. For, for me, the, the, the goal was to have a 3% subscription rate. Mm -hmm. And that was just a tenth of it. I know um, Duolingo, this um, very... Um, the, the language learning app. The language yeah. learning app. I just uh, heard a podcast and he said they are, they also, um, they, they are also B2C, so it's close to what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. They have a lot of traffic there and they have uh, 3% paying users and it's enough for them to pay this big company. And yeah, but here the 3% clearly is not enough. <laughs> and then I did another um, um, fake door test, as I call them, mm -hmm. um, is um, creating listings, which is, um, which I always consider for free. So it would not be a paid list, a uh, paid feature, but still, would cost me a lot of time to build it. And I put that there as well in a similar manner. And there were a lot of people clicking on it, much, much more than the, on the other one. And then it was enough signal for me to start building it. And it just went live two weeks ago. So since two weeks, you can also create a listing on my site. I think it's interesting that for me at least, Usually students would Google something to find your site, right? Like where's the where can I find a good apartment when I'm studying in Zurich or something? Um and apparently also people that have listings can find your site. Uh I wasn't sure or I wouldn't have been sure that that part of the equation would actually get on that site, right? Like it's not your core user uh that does listings. Usually they're search listings. <laughs> Exactly. That's why I thought it would not work. Yeah. I had not much hope into that and much more hope into my subscription idea. What I learned from being a product manager at the company I work at, that um, in your head, every idea sounds great until you test it out in the market and it yeah. might not sound great. 
and I had other ideas which I discarded. Other had the idea and I thought, okay, that's a shit idea. Let me still try this out. And um, I told everyone I don't believe in that idea, and then it worked. And I said, okay. Uh, well, <laughs> so you just wanted... wins. Uh, let's yeah. build it. Have you, like you already said, that it's free for now? Have you thought about making that a paid feature? No, because, and I, I still believe in the subscription model. The thing is, there's a huge demand for shared platforms, and they are news articles about how hard it is um, to find a room. I know from being in contact with people who search for a room, of course, through my site, that it's so hard to get any. You write to 20 or 30 of them, you don't get replies, and, and especially in Zurich. So hmm. finding a room in Zurich is so hard. So um, my thought is you monetize where the shortage is. The shortage is, is is on, on the rooms, there are too few rooms. And I would not monetize for people putting a room online because there's too few of them. Mm. I would not want to demand money for them. So I still believe in, in monetizing on the shortage side, but I need another idea how to monetize it. <laughs> and um, did you ever think about, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of that strategy, but I'm still asking, did you ever think about monetizing through ads like just putting google ads on it there was a one second pause because before you said ads right? yeah <laughs> <laughs> i hate them too but that's just like for for a page like yours it's a, a strategy one can think about right yes and it's at the moment the most likely scenario mm. i hate it as well um, my main competitor has ads and loads of ads, and I hated it when I looked at their website. But after all, they are the biggest player in Switzerland, so they might have tried some things out and then landed with ads. And why not? Yeah, I mean, there's not much else you can do if people don't jump on the subscription train, right? Yes. Yeah. There's. There are a few others um, I could try with affiliate. Mm -hmm. um, for instance, there are, um, if you want to rent a room, let's say if you come to Switzerland from abroad and you want to have a shared flat and you don't find one in time, what's your plan B? Then you go to Airbnb or any of the other more professional room sites and um, one idea is to integrate those um, you didn't mm -hmm. find the shared flat on my site they, these are the shared flats matching your criteria they are more expensive of course but for a short time why not and then get a commission out of the link of the click or whatever yeah that might also be an idea yeah um we've talked a lot about a big game there is another thing that you built and um 
in your indie hacker journey, you made a pretty meta product because um, I'm also surprised that you still got the domain, actually. Uh, you built a free built-in public community database list of some sort. So every uh, built-in public creator is on there as far as you added them there. Uh, how did you get the idea? And also, how did you get the awesome domain buildinpublic.community? <laughs> I didn't even know there is a .community top-level domain. I <laughs> came across this when I registered the, the site. It started with a tweet in October um, where I asked where people are from. Um, react with your flag i think it was this was my first viral tweet i <laughs> had um, 75 followers back then and then there was the first viral tweet and they pushed me to 300 followers wow. I was, or 200 i don't know it was <laughs> it was like the rocket wow this is so great my first viral tweet and with twitter it's great you can just see the reaction to an idea. And it was not even an idea. It was just people were willing to say where they're from. And it um, and out of this tweet, I met some Swiss guys already. And I thought, okay, well, that's great. I would not even know how to find people from Switzerland. Um, Twitter has this um, location field, mm -hmm. which but usually it's used for uh, something else. So you yeah. not write your location in there. So it's really hard to find other builders. And then I created uh, Airtable, I think it's called. Mm -hmm. um, and I asked people to just uh, register or um, add their data into the Airtable, reached out by direct messages to some of the with the profiles and I, I so okay people are willing to register themselves and then I um, launched building public community over a weekend it was a weekend project it was also the first time I used Next.js I was super simple I just used one of their templates mm -hmm. and you could see if you if you, if you look at the uh, Tailwind <laughs> UI templates um, um, and look at my slides it's you see it's the same thing. Yeah, but I mean, that's fine, for, for uh, especially for a weekend project. That's 100% fine. Um, you do a lot in, what's the right word, promoting the building public community on Twitter and off Twitter as well. Uh, you also created a Twitter list called Authentic Builders, which I am also a part of and very proud of that. Um, so what is an authentic builder in your opinion? What bugged me is there were times I scrolled through Twitter and I would only see wins, 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 which is great for some time, but on a bad day, mm -hmm. you see, okay, others are winning it all the time and it doesn't go so great for me. Um, and then I wanted to have a bit more nuance nuance i don't know how this call in english balance maybe yeah, i know yeah, what balance. you mean yeah so i um i tweeted the thing like um so many people on my timeline saying they got three thousand mrr within two months mm. 
do you know some people who are more real and more authentic? And I got, I would say about 70,000 views. It was one of the, oh <laughs> it was one of the most viral tweets ever. And I, I saw, okay, it's, it's tropic core. It's, it's not just me. There are other people feeling, feeling that. And then uh, while answering to these too many answers, it cost me hours. I mean, that's the downside of viral trees. I'm not really, really sure I want them. It's <laughs> that I, I got more than 100 responses to, to these. And I usually want to reach them out and respond to the response and hours and hours it takes. But I saw there's some, there's a demand for that. So I just built this authentic builders list. And the rule is that you need, you need to have a more recent negative tweet or not just the win tweet, a thing you're not sure about, an uncertainty, maybe something which went bad, that you had a bad month or a bad day, um, something like that. And people just needed to prove, prove it with linking to one of their tweets, which was in this manner. And then I would add them to the list. I also checked a bit that they are really in the building public community because of them. I mean, if you have such a viral tweet, it reaches all the communities as yeah, well. Sure. And then I didn't want to have a such a mixed list. And I think there are close to 100 builders now on this list. Um, I started with the obvious choices like Peter Levels. <laughs> Yeah, and um, um, Dagobert, Renouf, or all these, um, which I knew they are authentic, and I started with these, and then added more and more. I saw a lot of mutuals that are also following you and me, or that I and you follow on that list, and I think it's a it's an actually a great list. Everyone that that is listening and has a Twitter account and is in the indie hacker indie hacker bubble, please follow that list. Because it also helps me follow have more followers than I have right now, um, <laughs> but no, I, I'm I think that I can hundred percent agree on the feeling that you get when you always see success and always wins from everybody else, especially for me right now. I'm dabbling a little with AI experiments and they don't take off at all, uh, mostly because again I am not launching that shit, um, but also you see people with like in the beginning with artificial intelligence, especially when GPT-3 came out a few months ago, you saw people get ridiculously successful with the most basic products that you can build with AI. Um, mostly just a thin wrapper around the GPT-3 API uh, by OpenAI. And regarding that, I got the same feeling, right? You get, you get tweets on your timeline with, I had... Uh, $10,000 of pre-sale revenue before even launching the site, right? Um, of course, those are also accounts that have like 10,000, 20,000 followers and also have, a, have it a lot easier monetizing their audience than I would have it with 200 <laughs> or 220 I have now. Um, but still, it's a feeling of like, why do I even build stuff? Like, why do I even do this when everybody else seems to fall into a gold pot the moment they touch something? And... Um, I think it's good to have something that is a little different to that. And I, I think it's also in the in the sense building public is meant. Or I mean, building public is not defined, right? Everyone mm -hmm. understands it a bit differently. But for me, building public is to share 
the learnings you have while building the product. And there are some good learnings and some bad learnings. Yeah. For instance, with this create listing feature we mentioned before, I spent two months building that. Of course, I'm a weekend builder, and some on some weekends I didn't build. So but it was more than 100 hours. And I looked back on that and realized it was just too much time. I should have done it in a shorter time. And then I tweeted about this to warn the others, say, look, if you have a new feature, mm -hmm. try really an MVP approach. I did a mistake. Don't do the same mistake. And I think I, lear I learned a lot more from these kind of tweets from the yeah. others than from the wins. Yes. And, and, and also there are some people who just do self-promotion on Twitter. Um, and I think that's not the way the building public community is meant. It's not just the self-promotion. Look, I added this great feature here and there and I have more users, more MRR. I'm the biggest, greatest. Yeah. You also uh, don't, you, you didn't just promote stuff on Twitter and made lists and created a building public website. You also started actually meeting people from the building public community in real life. Um, As an introvert, that sounds a little scary for uh, meeting people from the internet, even though I have friends that I've seen like three times and are lifelong friends now, uh, meeting them mostly in Discord, not in Twitter. Um, how did that go for you? Had that the, were you anxious to meet someone from that community or was it very easy to do so? So first, meeting people in real life is maybe the best I got out, out of Twitter. <laughs> And when I was at 75 followers in October, I very well remember this moment. I thought, is there much worth in gaining followers? What's the worth of it? Um, and then I thought, oh, I should give, give it a try and see if there is worth. And then um, gaining more and more followers, I got in contact with more and more people from Switzerland. Um, We will actually do at the second, 22nd of May next week, over next week, mm -hmm. we will do the first meetup where we actually, we are about 10 builders in around Zurich who, who meet. So um, I think I met every one of them. And um, I would consider me an introvert as well. So it costs me some energy to meet people, but I know from experience that um, the benefits are bigger than the costs. So I do it and um, it's like once every two weeks I meet someone. Oh, wow. That's, that's often. Yeah. This yeah. week I met someone who is at University Zurich. Um, I, went, I went back to university, ate <laughs> like at the Mensa where we usually <laughs> ate like 20 years ago. It was a flashback and just the... The face-to-face -face communication, there's so much hidden in that. Um, this person, for instance, um, um, he knew about a lot about the startup world, and then I learned a lot about this. And every person has some strengths. You can just tap, and they usually open to share. 
Do you have a favorite person that you've met? I know that's a little unfair to the rest of them, but was there like the, f the what was the first meeting very special or someone that was very special? Okay, let me single out meeting Sophia um, because she was uh, on a trip and it was a bit special. Mm -hmm. I could, I it, um, I cannot say a favorite because I enjoy every one of them. Really, I did not regret one meeting. Uh, yeah, no. I was I was a bit afraid that people would sell stuff to me. Mm. That's maybe the <laughs> only fear I had, and which never happened. So I was, if that would happen, I would not meet them again. No, no. Yeah, sure. it's, we we share our struggles and our wins. That's good. But with Sophia, it was great because she's from the US. She's a, a marketer. And she is um, in her 20s, I think even in her early 20s. And she started the company with um, around 10 employees already around the world. And she just did the Europe trip and we had a great time together. I showed her Zurich a bit. Uh, we didn't have much time, uh, but uh, did, mm. we did. A 30-minute sightseeing tour of Zurich. <laughs> and Zurich is not that that big, right? <laughs> like 30 minutes are enough. <laughs> no. I'm also not a good guide, so um, <laughs> I could have not shown her the best parts in Zurich. Oh well, uh, we will link Sophia in the show notes. I think I already followed her, so I might I I should be able to find her in my follows. Um, I want to go to one thing that we don't have often have on the show. Uh, we obviously just had uh, Benedict Ray on, which is also uh, the same profile as you, uh, in which I mean that both of you have family and have kids and are at least a little older than the typical 20-something indie hacker uh, sitting in uh, maybe university or uh, has very little to lose if indie hacking goes wrong, let's say that. Um for families, it's different. And you tweeted yesterday, I grabbed the tweet from yesterday for this, um, and it says, building solo takes ages, more so when building it alongside a nine-to-five job and with kids at home, almost impossible. But oh, the joy of creating a business out of nothing. So let's talk family for a second. Um, yeah, what's that like for you? Like, I'm not sure how old your children are, Uh, what does your family think about all of this and how do you scramble to get even time to do stuff like this? My kids are teenagers, mm -hmm. 15 and 12. If they were little, I think I wouldn't have time. But there comes the time when they get bigger, more independent, and suddenly you get free weekends. <laughs> our free evenings, more free time. Um, maybe that was the trigger. I don't know, but um, um, maybe that's why I started to think about even building a startup. I have no Might idea. Be, yeah. um, and then the other is um, so when I had this big eight project, so I had I did that hack over the weekend and then showed to my employers and everything. Um, When I had this project, I went to my wife and said, look, I have something. I would really like to work on this. Um, what do you think about this? And for me, it was important to have her back because it, it would mean 
um, I'm working at my computer on the weekend more mm. than before. Um, and we had a discussion on this and she was very supportive, especially because she saw how much I enjoy it. And I, when I started this, I was also emotionally a bit unstable. Mm -hmm. um, I was even joining a psychologist or a psychiatrist and sure, um, because I was on the edge of depression. I was really had, had a hard time. And this building on the side created so much joy. As I said in the, in the tweet, all, all the joy of creating something out of nothing, it's just like creating so much joy. So she saw that and said, okay, let's just do it, do it on the site. And um, the difficult thing is, it's just like priority, like time-wise it's priority number four or five. <laughs> and if there's something in the family which needs more attention, I need to put it aside. And um, this makes it a bit hard. So it could be that from one day to another, I need to stop mm. um, my project. I need to stop stop tweeting because it's just my days are optimized to the minute. Mm. I program on commute time, so I when I go into the train, I open my laptop immediately. I know I have thirty minutes on each way. I need to optimize this. And if you have such a hobby on this, this little times and if something comes up you just need to give it away and stop it there is actually i want to just add this to the to the discussion there's a great tweet by philip where he uh, where he shared all of the photos he's he's doing by him like he's he's taking screens uh from every time he sits on the train and works um i think you are also did uh a photo every time you worked at home on your project like like you always did a photo when you worked on the project correct yeah i think for a week i yeah. took a photo <laughs> and you would see i look tired often yeah <laughs> yeah i'm sorry to say but yeah <laughs> i didn't look too happy on these photos and they don't look particularly great but that's an angle I like about building in public i, yeah. I want to show my face i want to show the reality how things are I'm often tired working on my project. I still like it, but I need to take every minute, even if I'm tired, I, I work on it. In the train, there's often like noises or things around, which it's not the best surrounding yeah, to sure. work on the project, but it's that's how it is. <laughs> and, and that's um, maybe a shout out for, for people listening to it on Twitter, is that um, like, yeah, please show your face, show your... I, um, Adding photos is something I was a bit afraid of at the beginning. Yeah, me too. Um, and um, I'm not doing it too often, but every time I do it, I get very friendly responses and people like to see who is behind an account. It just adds more flair to it, becomes more real. Somebody, 
I, I posted a picture of myself sitting in a very, very uncomfortable position on the couch. Oh, yeah. I um, remember this one. Yeah, and somebody, I'm not sure, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't remember the name of the account right now. Um, somebody called me the more attractive Peter Levels. <laughs> I read this one. This was so great. Yeah, that was, <laughs> was a, a very good interaction. Uh, I'm sorry to you, Peter, if you ever listen to this. I don't <laughs> agree with that. Um But uh, yeah, somebody did that. And um, interactions like those are very, very fun and um, also only come when you share something private or you share pictures of yourself. Sometimes, not all the time. I know that on LinkedIn, it's kind of getting a strategy to always post a picture of yourself with every post. Not like that. Um, but being open with, at least a bit open with your private life or with your personality and how your person looks, because that's also the thing that people like to see. Um, is great, and I think one of the best tips to get some to give someone who enters into the community is, don't use a profile picture that is not yourself. Just use a normal photo of yourself, and as a Twitter account name, use your name. I know that my handle is Iceberlabs because I started with that. Uh, today I would have probably started with Tobias Arvela, but um, yeah, just have your name as the visible label is great. And also just have a normal profile picture because people interact with you 10 times more. Everything else doesn't really work well. Totally yeah. agree. And one one final question for your family thing. Like the 12-year-old might be too young for this, maybe. I'm not sure. But what does like what do what do your children think about the whole build in public thing or the whole do they do they grasp what you are doing? Yes, they do. I mean the Building a B2C site is hard monetization-wise because it's really hard to monetize B2C. Sales are much more easier in this regard. But the good thing is that everyone gets it. Yeah. Everyone understands a search site for chat flats. My kids get that, and um, they are they were quite excited to trying it out. <laughs> um, I also had an. Um, mobile app out and i gave it first to them to see how they interact with it mm -hmm. and children are great because they interact differently than i would um they are used to TikTok and things i would not use personally mm -hmm. and they are much faster clickers than i am i mean <laughs> when i watch my parents click around on the internet i go mad because they are so yeah. slow <laughs> and then but Guess what? My kids will be faster than me. They will. Yeah. They are thinking the same thing about me. And if things are not clear to them in a split second, they're just, "What is this? That doesn't make sense to me." Wow, that's great. <laughs> so it's <laughs> because they are age-wise closer to my target audience. Yeah. The target audience is is twenty to twenty-five. My kids are ten years away from this, and I'm twenty years away from from that. So I think I would take their input at any time. Um, what they what they thought the the project will be is to be um, to earn a lot of money. They thought, okay, <laughs> we will get millions out of this project. We will yeah, buy sure. a house out of it. So they had this um, idea of getting rich fast with the startup, <laughs> which eventually they see. Okay, it will not be that. But maybe also a good lesson for them if they ever go into in, in, in their own business or do something like that, that they know what to expect and that it takes longer probably and the success rate might not be 100% then. Yeah. 
So we're coming up with the finishing questions. Um, we changed one of them a little bit because people always say AI. So the first question now, um, which we will now ask every guest from this episode on, is uh, what are you excited about right now? And this can be either technology and something work-related or absolutely not and something private that you just want to tell us about. It's still allowed to say AI, by the way. <laughs> no, 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 I will not say AI. I like AI, but I'm not, it's not the thing I'm most excited about. I would say Tailwind UI mm -hmm. because I'm more a backend person, much more backend person, and I'm not good with design. I never know how to put things, where to put buttons, how, and I also hate making them nice on the mobile and everything. <laughs> And with Tailwind, it's so great because I, I I know I have these five fields and it's a list. And then I just browse to Tailwind UI and say, okay, what components, in, in what component would these five fields fit best? Okay, this is good, great. Let's hope it serves my use case and I just <laughs> choose it. That's that's how little I know of UI. And it it's... Um, no code is a thing now, right? Mm. Um, and for me, this is the no code. I mean, of course it's code, but it's it it feels like I can be good in front end without being good in front end. Yeah, and I think that's perfectly fine for a backend developer to go down that path. As a freelancer, I have worked with backend developers that have created the UI or the front end themselves, and I mean themselves. Um, you are doing very, very well with Viggy, and I hope, or uh, not I hope, I think that you went down the right path just taking the tools that you need to make a good design. And I think there's still something that you yourself contributed. I'm sure about that, actually. Um, but Tailwind UI might be a great partner for that. Yeah, exactly. And then we have one more question for you. I guess there are two, but one more real question, uh, which is, you have someone that's just starting out the indie hacker career and you have one tip to give them. What would be that one tip? Let's start with the obvious. Um, try out your idea as soon as possible. You know, uh, Nico? Uh, Janin. Janin, yeah. Mm -hmm. I um, like a lot what the approach he has. He would be one of the prototypes people to follow mm -hmm. tries things out um he just did another of those stunts where he built something on the weekend i think it was like a co-location co-working co space co-working map like that. yeah mm -hmm. and then he went live to product hunt and um without much data or without maybe it had a little data i didn't watch very closely and then i asked him yeah but why didn't you gather data first? He said, it's 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 working. I got traffic and I got so many signups and people were actually happy to put the data in. And now he had um, enough data to have the product off the ground. And I personally would have waited longer and then like, I need to have enough data to be valuable mm. to people. And he just had the guts to go very early out to see if it's working. And if it would not be working, it just spent a weekend and she would, would trash a weekend worth of project, which is fine. So that's the, 
I would say that's number one. And number two is um, invest into um, building up your community. Oh, these these are all on this level. <laughs> these are uh, what everyone is saying on Twitter. I'm saying as well. I think, I think uh, it's true. building up the Twitter community is is a great in, investment. And I would say I got really lucky out of that. And I would I when I started with started Twitter, I had no idea what to tweet about. And I thought I, I'm I'm bad at this because I, I did a few tries three years ago with few Twitter accounts and never worked, like no likes, just hero traction, nothing. And then I just gave it another try. And it's a lot of work, it's a lot of fails. I, I, I sent so many like, questions like, um, can you give me some advice about this? And zero reactions, zero likes, and it's just so embarrassing. Like, oh, well, people will see it on my timeline. Mm -hmm. It's so embarrassing. But yeah, just but, to go through that and then eventually it takes on. But that's the thing. If nobody reacted to the tweet, nobody will see it on the timeline. <laughs> I'm so glad for Twitter's um, algorithm because it will just not show up in anyone's timeline. Yeah. <laughs> I had the same actually happen last week where I tweeted um, a Figma design for the next version of Schreiberling, which I'm still developing, which is an AI copywriting site um, or something similar. We will think about that. Um, but I posted two designs like right next to each other, left and right. And I was asking, is this intuitive? Does this work? Because I'm not 100% happy with the design and i got i think two likes and no comments <laughs> and i think you just have to power through all of those experiences yeah. it doesn't matter nobody will see this like nobody already saw it right <laughs> um i didn't see it yeah because it, it was no likes yeah. yeah sometimes it's just like that and i have like The, the picture that I posted with where where I'm sitting on the couch, we talked about uh, being the more attractive feature levels. Um, that was like a joke tweet. I never thought about that actually gaining traffic and it's one of the better performing tweets, right? It wasn't viral at any point, but uh, it got a lot more comments than that one got. Um, yeah, you just have to just, I think it, it comes down to, again, that's a very, very basic trick or tip to to do, but just be yourself and tweet about the things that you are excited about also the same with blog posts and stuff just do the thing that you're already doing or that you already want to build and some of the tweets will belly flop and have zero likes and zero comments and then one will be performing very good you will get feedback um, and also i would never focus too much on the likes and the follows and stuff if uh, you have a smaller community like i do um, it's still very, very valuable to have those people and get feedback on stuff. I did, just didn't get feedback on that one tweet, right? Um, and also, I'm pruning my followers very, very, very harshly. Wow. The 220 that I have, there is not a single company in there. There is not a single Twitter follow, not a single Twitter account that doesn't have anything to do with software engineering or design or product. That those are all real people, and I'm pruning them very aggressively. Uh, which Arvid Karl has told told or taught me to do. Um, he does as he does so as well with his hundred thousand followers. Um, he still does that apparently. <laughs> I'm, he, he, I'm sorry, Arvid. I know that <laughs> I know that Arvid listens to this podcast. I'm sorry, Arvid. You're spending too much time on your followers, <laughs> but I think he knows that. Um, 
Yeah, I did so... the reverse. That's why I built the authentic, <laughs> uh, the, the authentic builders list because I was just like, yeah, let's start from scratch, and I just built a list, yeah. and it's easier than to unfollow people. Yeah, and 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 I don't mean the people that I follow. I mean my followers. I actually remove followers that don't fit into our community or don't fit into software engineering it, itself. But so I'm making that circle a little bigger than it could could be. But if someone follows me who's obviously a bot or our all our all favorite porn accounts that also follow you all the time, like the bots, right? Um, and then companies that follow you just so you check them out. Uh, I also prune all of those, but um. With followers, I'm a little more, I'm a little less conservative and I let a lot of people just slide if they don't annoy me. But my followers, I I remove them as followers pretty much if they don't fit into the, the community that we have. Didn't even know this was possible. Yeah, Avid. something. Huh? Yeah, Avid has this in his uh, in his basic Twitter following course, I think, which is now free. So uh, anyone listening, go and check that course out. It's awesome. Um yeah, and I am doing that as well because the, the thinking behind that is if you have 200 followers who are all in your bubble and are actually interested in seeing your tweets and then you tweet something, like from the start, only 50% or less will see it at all in the timeline. And then most of those people will be interested though. If half of it is bots and porn accounts and whatever is not very valuable as a follower, uh, the percentage of people that actually see your tweet and will interact with you is decreasing. That was Arvid, Arvid's, um, what's it called? Arvid's reason to do all of that. Uh, and then it helps the Twitter algorithm. So you exactly you're the more the more interaction you have early on in your tweet, the more likely it's exactly yeah. more shown to more people and so on. Oh, that's smart. Yeah, you're pushing the probability of your tweet even being engaged with. That's pretty ah, much it. Yeah, look. yeah. <laughs> nice learning. So at least so I don't have the SEO. I don't have the SEO game down, but I have the Twitter game down. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Now only the followers have to come. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that was the last question. I think we finished that. Um, thank you for being here, uh, Philip, and for taking the time to be here. It was a pleasure. Time um, well spent. <laughs> thank you. Um, and where can people find you and your projects if you want to link them directly? And also they'll be in the show notes. Just go to my Twitter account. <laughs> <laughs> They're all linked there. I think I need to scratch that question as well as it's always the same answer. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you're going to hear all of it, uh, all of the Twitter account stuff in the in the outro in a second. And uh, Philip, thank you. Thank you for taking the time and uh, have a nice evening. Thank you. The same to you. <laughs> thank you. Goodbye. And that's our episode. Thank you for sticking with us to the end. You can find Phil on Twitter with the username Phil Keller. That's P-H-I-L-K-E-L-L-R. You find links to all of his products there as well. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. We're always happy to hear feedback. If you are building an indie hacker business yourself and want to be part of the show, we're also really happy to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter with the username Icebearlabs, that's I-C-E-B-E-A-R-L-A-B-S, or send me a mail to Tobias at Icebearlabs.com. We're going into a little bit of a summer break. I have some stuff coming up which will keep me away from the mic, 
uh, for a while. We have one more episode scheduled though, and it's a great one. Expect that in like the second half of July. If you want to check up on the podcast and me, come find me on Twitter. You get the news about new episodes there first. Till next time. <laughs>